Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. I'm really. I'm talking about Tampa now. Oh no! Was it a response to the president's comments? I, I think I, I was just telling him I, we're talking about Tampa. If that's cool with you. Well, this is our only chance to ask you questions other than post game. Usually, I mean, I'm sorry to go back, but it's, we're going to keep going forward. There's no. This is your only chance to kind of say in the public conversation what you intended. With that. Yeah, I really focus on Tampa. So you don't want to clarify it anymore, even though. No, that's why. That's what I was telling him, and then I, I think I told him about, like, we could just move to Tampa because that's the only thing that's important right now. Uh, never change, Odell, or maybe change <laughs> is in order. Bella check-in. <laughs> we'll discuss number 13, doing number one, coming up on the six. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Here's another number. 70 points by the Titans the last two weeks against two top defenses. Later, we'll ask DeMarco Murray what's working so well in Tennessee, plus Big Ben says he needs to do a better job in job one for Bill Belichick in week four. But here's a look at our top stories. We call it six at six. And we start, of course, with Rick Pitino, for all intents and purposes, being out of a job, Jamel. Do you think there'll be any ratifications happening with the death penalty or anything since You know, I don't think it's appropriate to speculate about those things. All I can tell you is that the University of Louisville is fully committed to transparency and to working with law enforcement, to working with the NCAA. We've done that all along in the issues we've been dealing with so far with the NCAA. So we will continue to cooperate uh, and, and work with them through this process. I don't think we can speculate. Why an administrative leave and not an outright dismissal? Well, so this is a typical way that universities uh, deal with a situation where there is an ongoing criminal investigation. The, the criminal investigation is not complete, and individuals at this institution have not been formally charged. So th- th- this is a typical response to that type of circumstance. All right, and uh, Rick Patino has since responded through his representatives. Here's the statement. Uh, Coach Patino has done nothing wrong and there is no evidence to suggest otherwise. Moving forward, Coach Patino's primary concern is for the well-being of the student-athletes on the university's basketball team and in getting complete and accurate facts in the ongoing investigation. Those facts will inevitably exonerate him. All right, Louisville has suspended a player indefinitely and withheld him from practices and workouts, and sources tell ESPN the players Brian Bowen featured prominently but not named in the prosecutor's allegations. Meanwhile, ESPN 100 prospects Anthony Simons and Courtney Ramey both decommitted from Louisville today, meaning they have zero commitments in the 2018 class. Auburn lost five-star recruit E.J. Montgomery. Tigers are funding money to season ticket holders. Oklahoma State suspending assistant coach Lamont Evans after he turned himself in this morning. Jeff Goodman joins us now to help us advance this continually developing story. First and foremost with Louisville, Jeff, where do they go from here? Well, that's a big question right now, guys, is obviously they don't have a coach. They don't have an AD. Uh, they're going to try to get somebody as soon as they can. And, and I've been told by sources, and I've talked to plenty of coaches who do have interest in this Louisville job, even with this cloud kind of hanging over the program and not knowing 
what you're dealing with in terms of personnel, who's going to transfer out, whether there's going to be another year postseason ban. They have no idea, but it, it is a top 10 job. You just have to think long term. And that's the way some coaches would look at this this type of situation. But right now, what they've got to do is make sure they get in a coach quickly that can maintain and kind of keep as many of the players, retain as many of the guys currently on the roster as possible. We're a month into the, the, the semester, so it's unlikely too many guys would transfer right now. They would wait it out through the first semester, and then you might see a little bit of a, of a mass exodus. Now, Jeff, uh, this investigation involved a lot of big-time college uh, programs, a lot of assistants uh, that were arrested as a part of this probe. So where is this investigation headed next? You mean what's the next shooter drop? <laughs> yeah, essentially. What's the next shooter drop? I had to ask Yeah. Me. Yeah, no, no, and you should. I mean, listen, this is an FBI investigation, not an NCAA investigation, which means uh, a few things. It's a lot more serious. Uh, and guys are clamming up a lot more. There's not nearly as many leaks going on because, uh, you know, on the line isn't a, a show cause. It's now jail time. And we're going to see what happens now with these 10 people who were arrested yesterday morning and whether they flip and roll on other people. Uh, we're already seeing that, that Nike, uh, people at Nike are, are being, uh, you know, looked at their records. Miami was mentioned in the FBI report. So certainly Jim Laranega, they put out a statement yesterday and the FBI, uh, you can be sure, and the NCAA will be in there uh, looking at, at, at them. The head coaches of all four of the assistants uh, that were in question that were arrested yesterday, they're all sweating it out right now. So there's a lot of people around college basketball, guys. I've never seen anything like this with my phone blowing up like it has in the last 21 hours. It's insane because you have the coaches right now that are hitting me up saying, what do you know? Because they're all concerned and worried and don't know uh, who's next. And then you've got the clean ones that are hitting me up and saying, you know what? This is great for the game. I love it. I can sleep well tonight. Yeah, it's also right. great for their recruiting as well. A little selfish interest there. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, we appreciate it. All right, now let's look at Rick Pitino, who is a central figure in all of this. Uh, he was the NCAA coach, or a NCAA coach for 32 seasons, uh, Hall of Fame coach, led his teams to 770 career wins. That was fifth most among active coaches. He's also made seven Final Fours and took three different schools there, Providence, Kentucky, and Louisville. He also has a pair of titles in 1996 and 2013. And joining us now, Michael Leaves, who broke the story this morning right there on air. Scoop. Very, very smooth how you did that. Like, oh, let me stop this anchor and let me break this major college basketball story. Rick Pitino's uh, resume, impressive, one yeah. of the best to ever do it. So where does his legacy in your mind stand now? I think there's going to be a but every time you mention his name. You can talk about the, the only coach to lead three teams to the Final Four, the only coach to win, uh, one of the coaches to win two championships at uh, two different schools. But there's this. There was the alleged strippers, prostitutes coming into the dorm and go all the way back to 2009, the extortion case where he had an extramarital affair with the wife of someone on his staff and allegedly paid her $3,000 to have an abortion. Those are huge scandals that oftentimes would bring down a coach. He lasted through two of them and believes he should last through a third. So all that success you just talked about, it is one of the best resumes we've seen in college basketball. But there's that other stuff. You got deep ties to that state of Kentucky. Uh, obviously coached at the two schools there. So 
Who's uttering the butt would be my question. It's almost like Hamilton, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. It's like if you're charged with chronicling college basketball and ranking him and talking about his resume, his, his reputation from a resume standpoint, that's one thing. But the memories, the money, the milestones, yeah. I just wonder if fans, how much do they actually care when they're reaping the benefits of this type of behavior when they're hanging the banners, they're enjoying final four runs. They're in the NCAA tournament. It's like, everybody says it's such a black eye and a dark day for college basketball. Maybe because it's September, because come March, people still filling yeah. out brackets and people are still just as invested in March madness. Well, even if you take the banner down from 2013, the kids won the game and they'll never let that go. Exactly. If you have the fans of Louisville talking about their program and we won this and we did this, blah, blah, blah. The Kentucky fans <laughs> will say, but the other schools in the ACC will right. say, but yeah. if you go an hour down, down the road to the Kentucky fans, they're going to start with this, uh-huh. and then Louisville fans will have to go, but he also won a championship, and he left your school and came to ours. That whole thing will go on forever because of the rivalry between those two schools. College basketball as a whole, I do think they will start with his success mm-hmm. and come back to the off-field issues. Well, that's Excuse a, me, off-court. That surprises me because I don't think all scandals are necessarily created equal. And when you look at the scandals that he's been a part of, they've just been so seedy so they've been sloppy. dirty. Right. They've been sloppy, not, dirty, not your garden variety. Thank you. This isn't this isn't no. just pay for yeah. play. Anytime you have to say the word abortion and, and affair yeah. and oh, yeah. uh, strippers, like yeah. that's a totally yeah. different uh, category to me. And so while we can't diminish his success because we all saw it, mm-hmm. much like with US, USC, we can't right. pretend that that uh, that level of success didn't happen. But just his character, his integrity, to me, is completely damaged. And the thing if that a lot of his, especially his former players, if you talk to his former players, that's one of the first things they bring up, how good of a man he is, especially to them. Because and he's a, helped, one of the most brilliant X's and O's correct. you've ever seen. So then it comes back to these questions of integrity, especially from the outside looking in. He's like, dude, you had sex with someone in a restaurant and Louisville was the head coach saying, of the basketball program? Wait, you had strippers coming on your campus, going into the dormitory named after your brother-in-law who passed away at 9-11? That he claims to not have known and about. And they're having sex parties? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, $100,000 allegedly is coming from the Adidas that shoe company. That he not have known about. That, How many you, times that you wear the Adidas yeah. symbol on your jacket during yeah. games, and then all of a sudden that's going to a recruit just happened to show up in June? Yeah. yeah it's very sloppy How and expensive and How many times can you play the card like, hey, I didn't know what was right. going on. Let, let me say this. Watch. On the first one, let me, not the first one, we'll forget the extortion case. As it related to the alleged strippers and prostitutes, I was at Kentucky when Coach Patino was there. I worked his basketball camps in the summer. I stayed a lot at Wildcat Lodge with the basketball players. We snuck girls in there. You can do that sort of stuff without a coach knowing. On that one, I give him a pass. This one. Also, some of his former players said the same thing. This one is different because he has direct ties to Adidas. He makes a lot of money from Adidas. $2.3 million, I believe, of his $7 million salary comes from Adidas. So for a member on your staff, to also be dealing with the shoe company representative and then dispersing that money allegedly to recruits and to family members, whatever, that's harder to understand because of his direct relationship with the shoe company. I also talked to a couple of his former players. They find it hard to believe in that regard because he was so strict 
on everything in and around the program as it related to his assistant coaches, yeah. they have a hard time believing this one slipped under his nose. This one specifically. Well, when you talk about his legacy, just to bring a little levity to it, he's always going to have they're not walking through that door. You <laughs> know got, what? Got, got that sound bite. Can't take that away from him. And it. he happened. is no longer walking through that door in Louisville. And that's yeah. why you get paid the big bucks. All right. Thank you, Michael you. Yep. Leaves. Um, now some NBA after clearing waivers. Dwayne Wade is signing his one-year $2.3 million deal with the Cavs and will report to practice this evening. Uh, Dwayne released a statement saying we We've already won two championships together, and I hope we win a third. Now, earlier today, LeBron discussed reuniting with one of his best buds. I'm happy that we was able to keep him away from everybody else. And, I'm, I mean, it's a guy. I mean, come on, man. It's like one of my best friends. So it's kind of like when you start school, you know, you walk into the classroom, you're not quite sure who your classmates is. And when you walk in there, one of your best friends is in there. You're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. It's going to be a good class. So uh, that's the type of feeling I got. Jamal, the last... Two days since we've known that this was a probability that he would sign with Cleveland, reunite with LeBron. We've been talking about how much it either helps the Cavs overtake mm-hmm. um, the Celtics or close the gap with the Warriors. But I wonder, are we overhyping this reunion? Well, I think a lot of us were so excited and so entertained by and in awe of everything they accomplished together in Miami. I mean, how many people... You know, repost on social media that picture. What I, it was, what I think is one of the best sports photos of all time, with when he threw the alley oop to LeBron, and they're both, oh, you yeah. know, kind of like this yeah. um, on the court. And I, I think in all of our minds, we're expecting to see that again. Now, LeBron is still in his high flying days, right? And looks better than ever. Hard to believe he's been in the lead this uh, this many years, but. The weight is slowing down. Mm-hmm. Still very good. Still averaged about 18 a game uh, last uh, year despite being 35 years old. So I think the sort of high-wire electricity, mm-hmm. I think that, that part of it might be a little behind but us. But they don't need that, though. But this, I this do is think not... the production yeah. in terms of wins and right. uh, what they hope to get out of it, I, I still think that's going to be Because it comes down to the role. You're not asking him to be his primary sidekick. You got Kevin Love. You got a very deep team. He's going to de- have a defined role, and he doesn't have to be flashed throughout the season. He could just be flickered throughout the season and save the flash mm-hmm. for the finals, ideally, if you're Cleveland. What's the last old-school concert you've been to? Uh, old school hip hop concert. It's been a minute. It's yeah, been a minute. Like, don't you love those reunion tours? I do. So the last concert I've been to, because you know I'm busy, I got three kids, was uh, my wife and I went to Frankie Beverly and Maze. Um, and Frankie didn't blow like he used to. Right. But he still has the the gravitas. He still he still has the he's still smooth. Still Frankie Beverly. He's still Frankie. You know, white. Right. And he just lets the crowd sing happy feelings with him. Right. He lets the crowd sing do do do. <laughs> like he gets us into it and right. he lets the background so it's like he's not doing the same things he has to do I'm saying is D-Wade is Frankie Beverly I'm still checking <laughs> for him would love I'm, this comparison. I'm still listening to him <laughs> right. he still goes just as hard but not in the same ways so no he can't shoot very well yes he may have lost some explosiveness no he doesn't guard and block shots the way he once did but he can still give them enough of what they need when you add in IT and whatever's left of D-Rose who also averaged 18 last year and this deep team, I think they can get where they want to go just differently than they went before. Okay, I love he's the, not He's not in the, in the co-pilot seat. In I love the, uh, the concert analogy because it made me think specifically of two concerts. I saw Janet Jackson before the, right That's before the saying. baby, right? And Janet, you know, Janet, Rhythm Nation Janet was like not the, the whole time, yeah, you know? Yeah. But this Janet, she need a breather. But it's still good, right? Right. Right. And just like with Prince, when he was alive, God rest his soul, I saw Prince back when he was still Freaky Prince. Right. And then, then when he, had when the he became Jehovah's Witness Prince, right. 
and had the hip surgery. Right. It was different, but it was still great. He was still playing for three hours. Boom. It's what you expected, and he still delivered, but they... I still uh, felt like a satisfied precisely. customer. You got it. Astros Marcus today. you ever said, Move to within a game. <laughs> Move to within a game and a half of Cleveland for the best record in the AL with a 12-2 win over the Rangers behind a 4-for-5, two-homer, four-RBI afternoon from Carlos Correa. George Springer also hit his 34th. Your man Justin Verland allowed two earned and Katie Levin over six. Astros put up a seventh spot in the six. Now, rewind to the first when second baseman Jose Altuve reached 200 hits for the fourth season in a row, becoming only the fourth right-handed hitter in Major League history with four consecutive 200-hit seasons. The last right-handed hitter with at least four consecutive 200-hit seasons was Michael Young with five in a row from 0307. The others to do it, Kirby Puckett and Al Simmons. And if Altuve finishes the season as the AL hits leader, he'll be the first player ever to lead the AL or NL in hits outright in four consecutive seasons, which brings us to that. He's one of the frontrunners, obviously, for AL MVP, has been for most of the season alongside Aaron Judge. Altuve, of course, leads the AL in war and ranks right behind Judge and runs on base percentage at OPS. So, Jamel, who's your AL MVP right now? This is one of those conversations that a month ago, a month and a half ago, didn't even seem like it would be that close. Uh, but obviously, Aaron Judge has had a great se- September, but mm-hmm. not to belabor it. I'm going with Jose Altuve. Me and, too. But here's the thing, though. Remember when, and I think you and I specifically, uh, specifically got to this argument, Cabrera and Trout. I love this contrast and this MVP race and discussion and argument almost a little bit more. They do it so differently. Because they do it so differently. Yeah. And I think that's the joy in watching both guys. I mean, I, I know he's not Tony Gwynn, but it's something Tony Gwynn-like about Altuve. He's the first player in AL history, just to overload you with amazing facts about Altuve. First player in AL history to hit 340 with 20 home runs and 30 steals. He's a hit machine. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with and them. And a base steal machine. Look, I understand maybe the Yankees aren't where they are without Judge, whereas the Astros are the overall better team. But I think you got to reward Altuve for the overall season that he's had. Um, all right, now into some NFL after Giants owner John Mayer voiced his displeasure over Odell Beckham Jr.'s urinating dog celebration that resulted in an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. The two met privately. Publicly, Odell was asked by reporters today about whether he now regrets his celebration. We talked. And did you apologize? No, I said we talked. Mr. Mayor and I talked. Going forward, what does that mean to us? Um, Him and I talked. We had a discussion, private discussion behind in his office, so we talked about it, him and I. The only regret is causing us 15 yards, having to cover a long kickoff. Uh, you know, thankfully we didn't have any setback from there. Let me guess, he wasn't apologetic enough for you to. He, it, it's okay to sometimes admit that you have gone a little too far. All right, it's okay to admit that. And based off his attitude and demeanor, and I don't know what John Mayer said to him. I'm guessing he talked to him about professionalism and decorum, and I know there's been all these theories, especially since Odell Beckham Jr. seemed to back it up on social media that this was somehow, that celebration was related to the president's remarks about NFL players being SOBs. Seemed to be a bit of a reach for me, but okay, fine, I get it. Let's say I, I, I give him that. It's just, it's just a time and a place and what that looks like. And I know that, People can people like yourself sometimes look at his incidents as individually. But as I'll continue to say, you have a certain type of track record for these things. Of all the people on the field, you need to be the one that is a little bit more above board than everybody else. I just love how PO people are about this. 
You had to save the draft. I had to. You like, had to save the draft. <laughs> you just couldn't. Could, could no, I'm sorry. You can sit over there and clutch your pearls all you want. All right. I mean, well, it, it's your, it, it feels like it. I'm so, not so, okay, by okay, it. so cool. I would like to draw a distinction. Is it about the penalty, which obviously is not smart, and even though it didn't backfire, can put your team in a disadvantageous position, or is it that it was in poor taste? Both. Okay. It was I, in both. I guess it didn't rub me that wrong of a way when it came to what he did. Is it the best look? No, but. Whatever, okay? It's a, to me, it's about the penalty and hurting a team that has little margin for error. I guess I just reject this idea that he's so immature and he's such a headache. Yeah, he's a headache for defenses making catches like that. Mm-hmm. He's by far and away their best player and deserves every dollar that's coming to him. But he practices his behind off, okay? He works as hard as anybody. He's passionate about the game. This reminds me of a net situation where it's just being extra, you know? And, and I, get, I get that that's unnecessary. That You don't want a, a guy to be high-maintenance. But And I'm not saying there's not a middle ground. I, before I even say this, I'm not saying it's not a middle ground. Because, I, because when I say that he doesn't get in trouble off the field, two things, you know, it's mutually exclusive. <laughs> right. You cannot be a fool on it and, and, and not be a fool off it at the same time. Right. I get it. That's okay. not, that's, that's, I get, of course, you, I take care of my kids. I'm not giving him <laughs> like a cookie for not going to, to jail. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, just, I think oftentimes, because he's, such a, he's in the spotlight and he's an eccentric kind of guy, mm-hmm. that we overblow everything as it relates to him. If, he, if he'd have gotten a penalty some other way, or if he had not been penalized but done that, would this be as big of a deal if he just done that and he wouldn't have thrown a flag? Uh, it, to his point, I think I, people would have probably found it a little tasteless, but it would have been less of an issue because obviously I mean, a penalty is a little costly. Everybody, you know, you can't gyrate, you can't, you can't do the doodle brown. I mean, you can't. Whatever, it's on the Tampa. Time to take it or leave it. Starting with Bill Belichick preparing to take on another mobile QB, one he thinks is the Patriots' toughest test yet. When you're talking about mobile quarterbacks, guys that are tough to handle, tackle. Um, can throw, run, make good decisions, can be in a lot of, I mean, I would put Newton at the top of the list. He makes good decisions, he can run, he's strong, he's hard to tackle. He can do a lot of different things, beach in a lot of different ways. Not saying the other guys aren't a problem, because they are. But he's, he'd be public enemy number one. (laughs) Bill Belichick known to hype up an opponent heading into a game, but not sure if he knows this. Cam hasn't been so good this season. Look at that worst total QBR this season, the last three. Who knew? Cam, Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton. All right, so I was reading Bleacher Report earlier, and there was a column that suggested that team officials think he's more beat up than he lets on, given his limited practice, and that people around the league wonder if he should have done like Andrew Luck and rehab before taking the field. So take it or leave it. Would, would he be better off resting right now rather than playing? Uh, I'm going to leave this. Me too. Because I, I'm not sure if this is about injury or uh, only Cam knows that. But just based off what I see, it, he looks like a quarterback that just that is just rusty. Hasn't that didn't have a preseason. That didn't have a preseason. He didn't looks exactly how you would That's think he would That's not really look. practicing that much. He does. And so I don't think resting him is, yeah. is the answer. Yeah, I would say leave this as well. I, it's too soon to start talking about shutting him down or coulda, woulda, shoulda. Because, like you said, hasn't had a lot of practice in preseason. Still working the kinks out. Let's see what he does against New England this week. I mean, Deshaun Watson performed pretty well. Let's see what he does. And it's not an option. Once you get cleared, what kind of leader would he be if he was like, I, I can't really go? Then it's a whole other line of questions, questioning his toughness and commitment. All right. Uh, Big Ben, in no uncertain terms, says, blame the Bears' loss on me. Forget the receivers. Forget Le'Veon Bell. The quarterback has got to play better. So take it or leave it, Jamel. 
Big Ben is solely to blame for Pittsburgh's loss on Sunday and their struggles so far on oh, offense. I'm going to leave it, even though uh, he that was, I guess, admirable of him to take all the blame. Not trying to say that he played well, but I do think that sometimes when other parts of the offense aren't working, that can certainly influence how the quarterback does play. Yeah. And so having the issues with the wide receiver, Le'Veon Bell still hasn't gotten going the way we're kind of accustomed to seeing him doing. Uh, that's going to have an impact on how. Big yeah, but ben I got to take this though because I love that he's taking it unsolicited because we always talk about quarterbacks getting too much of the credit, too much of the blame. A lot of guys won't step up and say, "No, blame me, blame me." And Ben, throughout his career, and sometimes justifiably so, has been criticized as being a diva or a prima donna or not being the team guy, this, that, and the other, not getting along with his teammates. This is a guy stepping out and saying, "Hey, it's on me." Before you even say anything. I got to be better as opposed to him getting the credit and then on the back end getting some of yeah, the Yeah, because he certainly can say, well, Le'Veon didn't do this or this person didn't do this. He could, he could accept this pass. Yeah. But he's like, no, it's on me. I got to be better. All right, so get this, Steve. Vegas odds have Saquon Barkley and Sam Darnold as even odds to be the number one overall pick. So, Mike, take it or leave it. Saquon Barkley would be a better number one overall pick than Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, I got to leave this. Uh, I love Saquon Barkley. I am drafting him on my fantasy team whenever he becomes an NFL Already. player. He's an amazing <laughs> receiver out of the backfield. We talked about Le'Veon Bell for a second. This yeah. kid's hands, as good of a runner he is, I think he's is he leading the Big Ten in receiving or something like that or right up there He's right up with there. the leaders in the Big Ten in receiving. But we're talking about the draft. Where, you know where, where, the, where the Chiefs get Kareem Hunt? I know he might be the MVP say. right I now. I, I'm just saying you can get somebody at running back. If, you, if Sam Darnold <laughs> is that dude or whether it's Josh Allen or Josh Rosen, you got to take the quarterback. Don't you running backs go get handoffs from some scrub? I'm going to take this. I know you he love is, Saquon. I do. He's, and he loves you back. <laughs> he's become probably my favorite uh, player to watch in college football right now. Except when he whoops up on Michigan State coming up soon. Hey, he's up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe I, there's a part of me that feels bad because that position in the NFL has been devalued so yeah. much. But there's a difference between a somebody and a Saquon Barkley. He's, he's not a special. somebody. He is special. But if you got so a special quarterback or running back, give me the quarterback. That's just the nature of the game. I got to take that one. All right. Tiger Woods said today does not know what his future holds. Still not hitting golf shots coming off his fourth back surgery. Take it or leave it. He will never return to competitive golf. I'm going to leave this, even though I realize it almost sounds crazy to say. But I, I do think that he's going to try one more time. And he envisioned or he mentioned like, hey, it's a scenario in which I can see this happening. But I, I just feel like he's going to come back at least given another go, given the kind of career that he has. I don't see him just sort of retiring right there uh, from some media conference. He's going to try to see what he can withstand, um, and then we'll take it from there. I'm going to take it because inside baseball, I want to leave this out of the show. I, I, I left Tiger Woods <laughs> you a, retired long, him a while ago. <laughs> long time ago. I, I just, I'm at peace with it. And all I hope is that he is at peace with his health, with his life, with it when it comes to his off, you know, with, with his private life. I hope he's at peace. And even if he were to return to competitive golf, how far would he be away from actually competing and say competitive golf? I didn't say it was going to be good. Well, I we, just said I could see him. We talked about old play. school <laughs> concerts. It's like, nah, man, he's done. He's done. We got to accept it. And uh, I, don't need, I don't need any more announcements from Tiger Woods. All right. Reports say Justin Timberlake will be performing at the Super Bowl halftime show. Would that be a win? I, I won't phrase that as, as a question. Is it him performing a win for the NFL, take it or leave it? Got to take this. Yeah. JT is an amazing performer, or so I've heard. Never been to a oh, JT great. concert. And you mentioned Janet Jackson earlier in the show. You got to bring back Janet. Got to bring her back. You got you to find a way to remix the tastefully done, the wardrobe <laughs> malfunction. I was in 
Back then, what was the stadium? It wasn't NRG Stadium. No, it, it was Reliant. Not. It was Reliant yep. Stadium in Houston, 2003 season, 2004. I was there, and man, I was in the press box writing at halftime. So you missed so it. So I missed it. I, I looked up, I said, like, what happened? You mean I missed the thing that yeah. we've dreamed about? The shadow of? <laughs> it's a shadow, because I'm drooling. I, yeah, so anyway, I still haven't seen it. Um, not that I want to. I'm good, but I'm, yeah, anyway, take I it. I was disappointed that Jay-Z, when the, that Jay-Z reportedly turned them down, but this, is, this would be an amazing get if he is the halftime performer. I agree with you. He should bring Janet. Uh, I saw him perform with Jay-Z at the DirecTV Super Bowl party a few years ago, and he was amazing. It's one of the few times that I've ever wanted Jay-Z to leave so I can get more JT. As long as so, he's got his suit and tie. Yeah. All right, DeMarco Murray, your Titans have put up 70 points combined the last two weeks against two pretty good defenses in Jacksonville and Sunday against Seattle. What's clicking? What's working so well for Tennessee's offense right now? Uh, I think we're, we're doing it, you know, running the ball and doing it through the air. I think we're um, complementing each other um, on both phases of the game. And um, we're all on the same page. We're blocking, we're running, we're catching and throwing. So I think if we can continue to, you know, obviously not turn the ball over, take care of the ball and um, be one of the best teams on third down, you know, we'll, we'll continue to put points on the board. Speaking of blocking. That 75-yard run of yours was just a thing of beauty. That's right. That's how you keep them happy. Yeah. Uh, part of your offensive success is, is in part due to the fact that Marcus Mariota seems to have taken another step in, in his progression. What's impressed you the most about him this year as he continues to grow as a quarterback? I think his composure. Um, his composure is second to none. He's a guy who uh, works tirelessly. Um, he's always prepared. You know, he's always prepared to run the ball. He's always prepared um, to throw it. And um, he's a guy that, you know, leads by example. Doesn't say a lot, but he's a guy who works extremely hard for us. And, um, you know, you can tell on Sundays that he's composed. You know, he's confident not only in, in himself, but, you know, the guys around us. So he gives us a chance to make plays for him. And as long as we, you know, keep him upright and give him time, he'll find the right guys open. And then you got your backfield running mate, Derrick Henry, who, you know, every year, every week it seems like people are ready to put you out to pasture <laughs> and have Derrick Henry start to carry the ball more. And you're like, nah, my hammy's good. I'm running for 115. What's the relationship like with you two in the meeting room, on the practice field, and how do you complement each other on Sundays? It's great. You know, we have a really good relationship. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I never take it for, you know, I never take it, you know, for what it is. You know, I've been hearing that, you know, since since my Bishop Gorman days in high school. So I'm not too worried about it. But, you know, he's, he's a good player. He's smart, you know, um, coming in year two. Um, he's playing a lot better. He's playing, obviously, he's physical. He's a big guy. He's a linebacker playing running back. So I'm glad he's, you know, he's here to compliment me and, and help us out and win, win games for us. And I'm not going to lie to you, man. I mean, you know, we, we talk about reality, but just for a second, I passed you up in fantasy. Like, I kicked myself <laughs> Are you about regretting it. this now? I, I, I him. I was like, ah, Derrick Henry, uh, could he have as good a year as last year? So what do we, what do we, none of us know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, what went into the decision? What were the conversations like where you guys arrived at the conclusion, at, at the conclusion as a team that you all were going to be off the field for the anthem? Uh, yeah, it was definitely a um, heartbreaking statement by him. And um, it was something that, you know, we talked about as leaders and came down to, you know, ownership and, and Coach Mike, you know, making the decision. And But at the end of the day, we all wanted to be one. And uh, we didn't want a bunch of guys doing this and that. We wanted to be unified as one and everyone doing the same thing. So we thought it was in the best interest of, you know, um, our team to, you know, to you know, stay in the locker room at that point. And, um, and just be one, you know, in this day and age and, you know, what's going on in society, 
um, I think it's very important for people just to, you know, love each other and um, just just be unified. So what's the plan on Sunday against the Texans when it comes to the anthem? Um, you know, we uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to have a meeting, you know, amongst the leaders and uh, amongst the team and we'll, we'll decide then. But, um, you know, uh, we'll we'll tackle that, you know, when the time comes. All right. Titans two and four in the AFC South last year. Looking to turn that around this year and get their second division win uh, on this young season behind the running of that man, DeMarco Murray. We appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining the six. Definitely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, the Titans have not made up their mind what they will do or how they will approach the anthem. Meanwhile, some other teams have. Uh, the Steelers plan to stand for the anthem this week after staying in the locker room last week. Marquise Ponce said they're doing the quote-unquote right thing. Mm. Uh, the Falcons and Packers are asking fans to join them in locking arms during the anthem. John Elway hopes the league can move forward and, quote, take the politics out of football during this time. And Northwestern's players and staff will take the field with their arms locked Saturday against Wisconsin. Now, the president has tweeted this just in. Uh, spoke to Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. Jerry is a winner who knows how to get things done. Players will stand for the country. Later, Donald Trump offered more thoughts to the media on the NFL. The NFL is in a very bad box. You cannot have people disrespecting our national anthem, our flag, our country, and that's what they're doing. And in my opinion, the NFL has to change. Or you know what's going to happen? Their business is going to go to hell. All right, Aaron Rodgers with a snarky Instagram post. Uh, he posted a picture of the Packers standing for the anthem and cameraman kneeling, trying to get the image. He said, I can't imagine what kind of social media attacks these cameramen must be enduring after taking a knee during the anthem and wearing a hat. Hashtag unity, hashtag equality for all, hashtag love, hashtag come together, hashtag invitation to join. But giving, getting back to what the president said, Mike, about this essentially being bad for business for the NFL... Uh, do you buy that? Do you buy the, the anthem protest or demonstrations um, are bad for the NFL? So he said, the NFL's business will go to hell, so let me get biblical for you. Uh, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his whole soul? And lose his soul? And, you know, that verse came to mind because this isn't about profitability, this is about principle. And players are standing on principle, and yet... Of course, you have a reality TV star using the popular red herring that is ratings to instill fear in the parties involved that they may lose money, that they that their business model is going to fall apart based on declining ratings and, you know, uh, people calling direct TV for refunds, to which I say, I hope that's the case. I don't believe that that's the reason why as much as people would like to perpetuate that idea that people are tuning out of the NFL based on what happens pregame. I don't believe that to be the case. But if it is, if there is a certain segment of the population that's tuning off, turning off the NFL, turning off, uh, you know, the television or, or, you know, wanting a refund for Sunday ticket from DirecTV. I just ask, since you're clearly not invested in the protest, maybe, maybe you're invested in the purpose of the protest. Let's, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give the benefit of the doubt, Jamel. Maybe the people who are upset, th- those that say, I agree with your message. I just don't agree with your method. Okay, I would ask that if you decide to take your money and your, your eyes, those advertising dollars back, invest that time in your community. Invest that time in doing your part mm-hmm. so that the protest isn't necessary in the first place. Go to church. 
pray, get on your knees, or at minimum, be a better husband, father, citizen, neighbor, whatever it is. So use that time that you're that you're that you claim to be giving back or taking back from the NFL, reclaiming your time <laughs> from the NFL. Use it for the greater good, if that's the reason why. If not, then that tells you all you need to know that is, as we've said several times, that it never really was about the anthem. It's really about the message which is not being received. This idea of bringing awareness to people, people are aware. They just don't care. Uh, there's so much irony and hypocrisy here, seeing the images of fans burning their season tickets and everybody, uh, or not everybody, but certain fans getting on their pulpit saying how they're not going to watch anymore and this is the last straw and blah, 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 blah. So let me get this straight. Domestic violence, all these other CTE. issues, CTE, the NFL has had right. that have actually damaged people. All right. We have actual domestic violence victims that we can name and recount. CTE, what that's done to players and their bodies. Mm -hmm. That wasn't enough. That's tangible. You can see that. But you were all good then. But this ceremony or in your mind, the lack of respect for it, no matter how many players who engage in it, tell you it's not a disrespectful act toward the military or toward the flag itself. You're choosing to stand on this. This, this is where you're drawing the line. This right. is what you feel like is worth dying on this particular hill. Right. And I just find that to be preposterous on a number of levels, especially since once again, if the root of the cause was about criminal justice reform, equality for African-Americans and, uh, and people all people color, yeah. and people of color yeah. in general about police reform. You mean to tell me that that's what you're going to fight against? Because either you believe in the message or you don't. There's right. no in between with all of that. Right. I'll say this about the president. I'm going to give him some credit. I'm going to give him some credit because he's doing what politicians do, mm -hmm. which is fight for reelection. And the easiest way to do that, as gutless as I find the approach to be, mm -hmm is to use the optics of spoiled, rich black athletes, because that's who he's talking about. Because mm -hmm. I think it was very intentional that he said all this about the NFL, but yet on the other end of it, commended NASCAR for their stance when it came out that uh, there were some owners of NASCAR who just simply would not tolerate mm -hmm. any of their drivers uh, who would actually kneel for the anthem. So he's using this imagery, this racialized imagery to plant in the seeds of his base. And he's going with it, much like anybody who's in TV understands ratings and how to play the hits. Yeah. He knows the biggest hit there Absolutely. is going is to use a black athlete and to make them seem ungrateful for their way of life and the way of life of an America. And put that right before everybody and say, here, go at it. So all I need is for the people who say they're tuning out, bring that same energy when it comes to helping fight for equality, this, that, and the other, because it's not about ratings. It's about rights, and it's about right and wrong. Jadevian Clowney does a mean impression of Steve Spurrier. Check this out. You ever heard of Steve Spurrier? No. He's from my way. That's the guy. You know, he was my coach back in college, and he used to do a funny accent ever at practice. You want me to do it for you? Yeah. Uh, he come to practice. Hey, guys. Uh, uh, you know, today is going to be a hard one, so it's hot out here. They're, they're, they're very hot. It's not going to go long. Just 45 minutes today, and uh, it's going to be a good one, quick one. Got to get to my golf tournament today, so I'm uh, going to get out a little early. 
Well, a comedian, he's a pretty good player. I give that impression a thumbs up. Yankees fan was ejected during the eighth inning of last night's game against the Rays for tipping pitches. So Gary Sanchez had to play with a full count. Rays catcher Wilson Ramos, he said that the fan was yelling in Spanish, outside, outside, which I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know what he said. I mean, that's a pretty dedicated fan. It, it, well, maybe it's what? just me. I didn't know you could get thrown out for that. I didn't know they considered that. I thought you had to be a actual, senior employee or use electronics. I didn't know a regular fan could do that. But it is. It is cheating, but... Well, he probably would reward that fan. Somehow. But it's not like he knew, you know. <laughs> he couldn't count on somebody being behind there doing that. All right. All right. What is this? Mike, Are you trolling big, me? You're a big trust the process guy. See Justin Anderson, uh-huh. Robert Covington, JJ Reddick. Uh huh. What about him? This part of the process missing all those shots at practice. That's fake news. <laughs> That's fake news right there. Real video. Y'all probably edited this just to clip it, just to mess with me. They're still making the playoffs. Yeah, just... So wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. They got two rookies of the year in the same year. Never, never happened before. So, Reddick can shoot, and I don't see Embiid. I don't see Ben Simmons. We're I mean, good. that's a lot of self-check going on right there. Please. Before we call it a day, tell the people who had a good day. All right, congratulations to my girl, Carol Lawson. She is now the primary analyst for Wizards games uh, for their broadcast on CSN. Nice. She grew up in D.C., played a little bit with the Mystics. Also, congrats to Doris Burke, yes, who is replacing lady, yeah. Doug Collins. First woman to serve in that role. Full time, absolutely. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz making good on giving his game check to Jake Elliott after he nailed that 61-yard game winning field goal to beat the Giants. But Wentz and Elliott, they're donating that 31000 plus to a charity of Elliott's choice. Oh, way to go, guys. That's a way to Priceless turn that around. Blessing somebody else. Appreciate y'all blessing us with your presence. That's it for the six. Sports Center continues on ESPN2. Cubs Cardinals is next. And, yes, we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>